Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high performance, innovation and productivity. Well, what more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is moi, TC Gill, IT Lab's Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking to you from the UK, sunny London. And in this episode, we're going to talk about a physicist that became a CTO, and he's going to share his stories from his journey, some of which was at Amazon itself key takeaways we hope to offer are the benefits of being a physicist and how that played into the role of a CTO, the layer cake of leadership, mm, interesting, and lessons from leading at Amazon and now at Flex, and the truth about AI and ML according to our guest, David Glick. So let's greet him from Washington, USA. Welcome, David. Welcome to CTO Confessions. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I bet you're a very busy person and it's hard to get time in your calendar. I will find a minute here and a minute there. (laughs) And um, how have you been finding working from home? Because obviously you're working from home today. Yeah, I actually quite enjoy it. Um, The first few weeks were very difficult. You know, everybody had Zoom fatigue. I had Zoom fatigue. And, uh, you know, fortunately, my assistant, after about a week, started putting buffers into the day. Ah. Um, which really helped a ton. And that's the advice I give to everyone else is you need to schedule the buffers into the day because you'll start in the morning and just go through to the evening. Yes. Um, The other thing that I started doing was walking during all my one-on-ones. And it started with just a couple people. And now I try to walk two hours a day. Excellent. Um, And I've gotten to spend more time with my, my kids, but, and my older son, he and I lift in the evening every night. We do squats or something else. Cool. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's, I've ended up losing fifty pounds in oh, the well quarantine. Done on that. Yeah, I because I remember I, uh, the the first time we called you, you were on a you were on one of your epic walks. Then you know I was quite impressed with the distance that you did in the time that we were talking. So that's great. It's kind of marrying uh, two things that you know. Uh, well, the conversation that we need to have with uh, some exercise, which is brilliant. Um, I'm going to try and try and give that a go on my one of my runs. Actually, I'm going to see if I can do a meeting while I'm running. Um, <laughs> um, so I was quite quite intrigued by your background david you know um you come from a uh, you're a physicist with a phd um and you've kind of transitioned into a tech leader um so so i mean first of all what was your what was your phd about yeah i i don't even really remember it was, <laughs> it was a, a, something about melting polymers on different substrates right okay. um and the idea was you could use this to test make better air filters for cars Wow. Um, okay. and it, was, it was sponsored by a German company called Herxelenes, right. um, who, who own, I guess, owns the air filter market. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so in terms of your uh, background in physics, um, how have you found that has enhanced your kind of engineering and CTO role, if at all? Yeah. Uh, there's, I, I guess there's two things. One is you call Elon Musk talks a lot about first principles thinking. And, you know, in physics, we, the only thing stopping you from doing something are the laws of physics. Yes. And so you, 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 you're continuously thinking about, you know, how do I simplify this? What are my constraints? How do I turn this into a math problem? 
uh, rather than sort of an amorphous problem. How do I drive out ambiguity? Yes. Um, and so all of those things we spend time doing, you know, the, the technology industry is full of uh, complex systems and potentially what we call complexifiers. Yes. <laughs> Folks who, who want to uh, add complexity for complexity's sake. And so one of the leadership principles at Amazon was invent and simplify. And, you know, I, I wasn't the best inventor, but I felt like I was very good at simplifying things and spending, spending more time on the critical path rather than on a variety of different things. Um, the second skill I learned uh, when I was in grad school is uh, that no one cared about my project more than I did. <laughs> <laughs> and as I transitioned from grad school to being a project manager, I found that nobody cared about my project as much as I did. All right. And so having this uh, ability to bring people along as you're delivering your pro project and the ability to convince people that what you're doing is the most important thing in the world or for the company um, to get them to buy in. That's another skill that uh, sort of languishing as a graduate student for several years um, yeah. teaches. Yeah, that's quite interesting how, how the learning there kind of applies into what appears to be quite a different world, you know. Um, and, and so after your kind of uh, your PhD and uh, graduating, um, you kind of spent a lot of your time, your your, uh, your career journey in logistics. Was that by design or? No, <laughs> absolutely not by design. Um, I, you know, I uh, I finished grad school and, uh, you know, I didn't have a job. My wife uh, finished at the same time and she was actually a very good PhD biochemist. And we decided that we were going to move to either Boston, Seattle or San Francisco to find me a job in industry, whatever that meant. Uh, and her a job uh, in the university, and we ended up at UW. Um, I, I uh, eventually was hired after several months living in a friend's basement at Amazon, and I was the, the low guy on the totem pole. Right. And everybody wanted to work on the website. The website was sexy, <laughs> um, and I was sort of relegated to being the, the IT guy who supports the fulfillment centers. Right. Um, which ended up being super fun because, you know, as a physicist, I like tactile things, things you can touch and feel. And, you know, sending brown boxes out of the building, super tactile. And, yes. uh, you know, you could see and you could see as the software was being developed, does this work or not? Yes. Yeah. And, and imagine um, with, uh, with this kind of this area of logistics, it's a lot of volume. I mean, it's going to be huge, isn't it? And, and uh, things going wrong can be quite kind of detrimental in terms of cost and, and headaches, you know? Yeah, and you know, we used to talk about I don't know ten thousand dollars an hour wow. of cost if the systems were down, and now at you know at Amazon obviously it must be millions of dollars an hour uh, when the systems are down in yes. the fulfillment centers. But yeah. even more importantly, one of my colleagues, uh, you know, when we were talking about what we're looking for in software developers and engineers who support the fulfillment centers, he said, if you don't get a visceral feeling of disgust when you have people standing around not being able to do their job because the system is down, then you shouldn't be on this team. Wow. And so it was, it was very important to have this connection with the associates and with the leadership in the, in the warehouses is we, you know, we sit at corporate and if things work 99% of the time, that's fine. But that means one out of a hundred, hundred times, uh, the, the associate, when they pull the trigger on the barcode scanner, they can't do their job. Yes. And so, you know, 99% of a billion packages is a, is a bunch. 1% of a billion packages is 10 million defects. Yeah. And so 99% is not good enough. 
Yeah, I, I can imagine. Um, it, it feels quite scary from a from a tech leader perspective. Things things that are in your on your watch, kind of not working as as expected. I imagine that's quite quite a scary thing. Does it kind of keep you up uh, late at night sometimes? Um, in the beginning, it actually literally kept me up at night. We had a group. Uh, you know, my first year at Amazon, one of the things I was responsible for was the IT for rolling out new buildings with new automation. We had a sortation system. We had a, you know, a automated picking system, and uh, every time that went down, there were about five of us who got paged. And you'd have the on-call engineers would get paged, but then five of us in leadership got paged. Right. Um, and the idea was, you know, we don't exactly know what went wrong. We don't. We don't have sophisticated telemetry. Let's just get all the right people on the call. Yes. And um, so, you know, every day at six a.m. when the East Coast shift came in. 6 a.m. Eastern time, something wouldn't work. And so I was on a call for, you know, probably six weeks in a row around Christmas time at 3 a.m. Wow. That um, that kept me up at night. But the one thing I learned is I don't like to be up at night. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so every time I would come into a new org, you know, oftentimes we had this, I don't know what you call it, a macho thing, kind of the firefighter theme, which is, oh, you know, we're so good at putting out fires. And, you know, after about 10 years of that, even about one year of that, that, that became not as much fun for me. Yes. <laughs> I said, you know, let's do fire prevention. Yeah. And so I spent a lot of time and uh, still do uh, in trying to figure out, you know, how do we, you know, we, we celebrate heroes who stay up all night fixing problems that they introduced or someone else did. Mm -hmm. How do we celebrate the heroes who don't have any problems? And, you know, how do we put processes in place to make sure that ahead of, things breaking, we are testing them, we're doing load testing, performance testing, um, making sure we don't have single points of failures. All of those things, uh, single points of failure, not single point of failures. Yeah. Um, uh, all of those things ahead of time. And something that stuck in my head was pre failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Yes. Nice. Um, and so I've taken that to heart. Yeah, I, I can imagine uh, uh, kind of back from my kind of project management days where you kind of had the risk register, you know, um, you, you get very creative about the, the risks that you're envisaging, you know, they might not even be on the horizon, you know? Yeah, we, um, you know, what we, we do kind of a tops down and a bottoms up where we think about like, we need to test everything, right? Let's write down all of our points of failure, think about how to make those redundant, how, how we load test them before we have our big peak. Um, and that's sort of our plan. And then the bottoms up is what uh, I learned in my first year at Amazon, they called the Save Santa list. And I've revi revived that in all of my organizations that we have like, yes, we want everything to work. Yes, we want to test everything. But like, what are the things we absolutely have to get done yeah. for Santa Claus to come and bring kids, <laughs> kids presents to them? Right. Okay. Um, and, you know, in 1999, we were a small part of the economy at Amazon. You know, today, if Amazon or e-commerce, let's not talk about Amazon, if e-commerce doesn't run, uh, you know, the whole country comes to a halt. And yes. if UPS doesn't run, if Amazon Logistics, if FedEx doesn't run, kids aren't getting their presents at Christmas. Yes. Uh, and then it's expanded to all year round. Like people who are stuck in their house for COVID yes. need food and supplies. And all those are being delivered by uh, e-commerce companies. Yeah. I I kind of um, I'm just, yeah actually that's kind of shone a light on an area which I kind of was was aware of but it really is a huge um, part of the economy now you know it's a it's a thing it's a thing that makes the news you know 
So we'll kind of come back to that because I'm quite curious around the resiliency and, and failure because I imagine there's a lot of tech leaders out there that have to kind of handle this stuff. And I, I guess the likes of Amazon and logistics companies have to kind of keep uh, keep their systems going. But just, just before we kind of go there, I'd like to kind of uh, dig a little bit deeper into your kind of history. So at some point, um, you jumped into the kind of uh, uh, engineering world um, from doing your uh, your uh, PhD. Um, so how did that happen? Uh, yeah. So like, like I said, I, um, I was, I was unemployed living in my friend's basement. Um, it was my wife and my dog and I, uh, and, and he was a physicist actually as well. He, he outdid me in undergraduate. <laughs> um, and, and then, uh, he was well, nice enough to let me, uh, stay in his basement, but a friend who had dropped out of our physics program actually was at Amazon and she got my resume into the pile as a junior IT project manager. So right. the uh, kind of the most junior person in tech. And, uh, you know, I did that uh, uh, rolling out uh, rolling out fulfillment centers in 1999, at which point um, I had a, a, a friend slash boss who picked me to be the manager of the team that supported all the fulfillment center systems. And I did that for a while and I was in infrastructure um, you know, which, which was very quickly turning into AWS. Right. So there wasn't really jobs for people to build systems and, um, you know, all of the design was being pushed back to software. And my boss, Kim Rackmiller, uh, at the time said, you know, Hey, you know, if you're not in software, this is not a great place. You know, your, you know, your career, you have, uh, limited upward mobility and you're not a software developer. Right. So, um, you may be done. And this was in 2005. And, uh, you know, she went, we have this process or we had this process called organizational leadership review where you talk about or calibrate, you know, who are your people in your organization. And she went to her boss's uh, OLR and um, a guy named Suresh Kumar, who's now the CTO at Walmart. he said, hey, you should come work for me. I'll teach you how to be a software developer. I have lots of people who can write code. I need people who can get stuff done. Um, and so I started with two software developers working for me. I was a software manager and, you know, within a few weeks, it turned into 20. Wow. And then later that year it was, it was about 50. And wow. so, yeah. um, you know, a couple of things to take away from that is one is leadership's leadership. Uh, whether, whether you are, uh, managing, uh, it or you're managing software developers, much of the, many of the problems are the same. Uh, that you have to, you know, trust your engineers, hire great people, yes. uh, performance manage, not so good people, give people feedback and coaching. Um, and then, you know, in many ways, all of that leads to delivering results. Yes. Right. And, and uh, so running the same playbook in IT and software uh, with minor variations works pretty well. That's quite, it's quite interesting. Um, being a software engineer myself, I come from electronics as well. <clears throat> it, you kind of think that the, the world that we live in has very kind of specific rules and things that make it work. But it's interesting to hear that, you know, it's the same stuff in essence, you know, the fundamentals are the same, you know? Yeah. If you think about Amazon has 14 leadership principles and uh, I can probably remember all of them if I was given a few minutes, but you know, the first one is customer obsession. And the last one is deliver results um, inside those bias for action, dive deep, uh, earn trust, be curious. All of those things are uh, domain independent. Yes. You know, they work whether you're managing software developers or product managers or 
um, buyers or any of the other things. Uh, and it, it's interesting that, uh, you know, the, the order of those are random, except for customer obsession should always be first because uh, customers are first. Yep. And then deliver results is always last because you have to do all of those other things to deliver results. Yeah, I like it. I mean, it's interesting that they've got these, was it 12 you said, 12? 14. 14, apologies. Um, was this something that was kind of drilled into you uh, in uh, Amazon? Or Yeah, one of the things that um, when we would hire new people and after three months or six months, you'd say, how is Amazon different than other companies? The, the answer was always... Uh, not only do you have leadership principles, but you use them every day. Yes. So when we interview, we would say, "You, Dave, you need to check for Dive Deep. And John, you need to check for Earn's Trust. And Bill, you need to check for Invent and Simplify. Um, and then the same for promotions and feedback would always be couched in. Uh, you know, these are the things you do well, and these are the things you need to do better. Excellent. Um, and so I think it's super important. And at Flex, uh, my current company, we have six values um, and, you know, it starts with put customers first, um, make it better, work together. Um, but my favorite is jump in. Right. And uh, the subtext to that is, you know, we like people who run towards fires. <laughs> when That's the building great. is not working. Yeah. Uh, we like people who run towards that and want to fix it. Yes. Not who, who go back to bed. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Um, it's quite interesting um, in both organisations, and particularly with Flex that you're with now, that you've got that you're actively engaging in the values. You know, because I'm, I'm an agilist myself. I'm a big believer in the agile values. I think that they're they're pretty much consistent. They they they, as you say, are applicable in pretty much every domain. Um, so, um, have you ever worked for an organisation that doesn't have that kind of mindset? Um, I haven't. Um, because I've just worked at Amazon and okay. at, at Flex. Yes. Um, it's interesting. Uh, if you go around to startups in the Seattle area, many of the leadership principles there um, mimic the Amazon leadership principles because you have this Amazon diaspora yes. where you know many of the leaders uh, were you know directors or VP at Amazon. Um, but Flex, we we chose to build our own um, independent of the Amazon leadership principles. Um, yes. You know, one of the interesting things we we had a discussion about was, should we have, uh, we like people who earn trust or, you know, should earn trust or build trust be part of our, our values? Yeah. Um, and, and, and the difference, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing the discussion, but the difference was, you know, do we grant you trust from day one? You know, assume we trust you yes. from day one, or do you have to earn earn that trust. Um, and, and, you know, Carl, Carl Seabrecht, who's my boss is amazing leader. You know, he came down on the side of, um, you know, we, we assume we trust you. If we hired you, you, you get a, you know, a modicum of trust. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, assume positive intent or whatever. Um, but like you grant people trust rather than saying you start at zero and you have to build that, that trust up. Yes. Yeah, I like that. It's a, it's a little bit like the kind of uh, emotional bank analogy, you know, we'll start off with a starter, we'll give you give you a starter account, you know, and do what you can with it, you know, kind of thing, which is great. It's uh, and I imagine that has a, a really positive psychological effect from a leadership perspective to your teams is that um, you're, you're putting them in a, in a good 
on a pedestal almost, you know, saying, look, you know, your value, we value you, you know, do what you can. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and take a look, just looking at the dark side of that. Um, um, do you find people abuse that trust generally? Uh, no, uh, I, you know, I think generally people want to do their best work. Uh, people, especially at flex where, you know, you're not making a, you're not maximizing your, your value in the short term where you could go to Google or Amazon or Microsoft or Facebook and make more money. Yeah. Uh, you're building something. We're all owners, right? We're, we all have an equity position. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so everybody gets stock as part of their package. Yes. Uh, all the salaried employees. And so, um, so you're like our, our incentives are online aligned. Yes. And you know, people who are at flex want to be at flex, uh, both because there's a, you know, a long-term, uh, potential wealth, but also because they enjoy it. And, and the people, you know, we love working with the people who we hire. Yeah, that's great. I, I like that. Uh, it's, um, it sounds like a very kind of constructive company. Hey, you know, I might be applying for a job myself. So I'm sorry, Barney, my boss. I, I hope he's not listening to this. <laughs> Come on over. <laughs> um, I, I, but just before we kind of finish off, we kind of, um, um, I, apologies, I've kind of moved around a little bit here. Um, back to your kind of history, the brief history of David. Mm-hmm. Um, um, your patents, I understand you have some patents as well. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the cool things uh, Amazon did was make it very easy to submit and get patents granted. And as part of that, uh, you know, for the folks who are watching this on YouTube, I'm going to have a visual aid. Cool. Um, so you got a little puzzle piece uh, and the clear ones here are that you submitted a patent and then the blue ones you get, um, which are individually made for you, you get um, the patent number put on there. And so I've got eight patents and I think 17 submitted. Wow. Eight granted. Yes. And so that's a nice thing. Uh, and, you know, there's there's others who have a whole wall, their whole wall of their cube or their office jigsaw. is filled <laughs> with this jigsaw puzzle full of uh patent pieces yeah that's beautiful i love that kind of visual celebration of uh, um your attempts to get a patent but also <laughs> then the success of it you know because because um it, again it it talks to that thing that uh, you described a second ago jump in you know give it a go it doesn't mean that it's going to be successful you, you're not going to succeed if you don't give it a try um but i mean that's that's great and uh i bet that's is that something that you're very proud of showing to people I, i'd love to have a patent myself yeah, I've got I've got them hanging on my wall here. Actually, sure. my wife just just had the shadow box made, and and they're on the wall now. Oh, next beautiful. to my PhD. <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. That's good. That's great. So, um, so as a leader, um, it sounds like uh, fr- from the word go when you were brought in, people trusted your ability to kind of get things done. You know, um, and um, I, I know in our previous conversation we talked about this idea of a layer cake of leadership. Uh, which was kind of three terms. Do you want to describe them uh, to us, please, David? Sure. Uh, This came about, and and again, uh, Kim Rackmiller, who was a great boss, who who was also the one who sort of said that my career was at a dead end. (laughs) But she talked about um, this uh, product process people as a framework for advancing your career. And, you know, when you're a junior engineer, all you have is the product you produce. And uh, as you get to be more senior, you... Uh, you continue to produce product and that's the code you check in and the the designs you make. Um, as you get to be a manager or a senior, senior engineer, you are spending your time building processes to make other people more productive, whether wow. that's ticket reviews or this 
Q4 planning and, and the Save Santa list um, or, you know, other processes. <laughs> and, uh, and then as you get to be senior manager, director, VP, uh, you're spending most of your time on figuring out who are the people in your organization you're going to invest in, um, you know, who are the people who uh, would be more effective other places, you know, you're hiring people, building a team, building an organization, and that's all about people. Yes. And, and so when I joined Flex, uh, my first six months, actually, when I've moved to inside Amazon uh, to any job, but then when I joined Flex, the first six months, I considered myself the VP of executive recruiting. Um, and I brought in, I think, about six director director level folks right. um, in my team and, and adjacent teams. Um, but, but having the right people on the bus, to use a cliche, uh, is super important at the senior levels. Right. Yes. Yes. And in terms of choosing those people and knowing they're the right people, what's the tips around on that? Um, you know, uh, the good news is uh, for me at, the, at this job, I was able to build the team mostly through referrals, either through my own personal referrals or, um, or, or it got to the point where, where we'd hear about through the grapevine people leaving Amazon and friends of mine would say, Hey, you need to, you need to go talk to Dave before you go, you know, go, go to Facebook or Google. Right. Um, and so that was a great uh, inflow. And so I was lucky enough for the senior leadership to sort of hire all by referrals. Um, that said, like you can't scale a company all by referrals and you don't really want to, right? Yeah. Uh, you do want a diversity of thought over time. You don't want, you know, everybody to be from Amazon. You know, we have a nice distribution. We have some Amazon folks. We have some ex Zulily folks, which is another local company and cool. some ex Starbucks folks. Um, as well as people from all over the place. Right. Um, but you know, like, again, we, we use our values. We like people who jump in. Yes. Right. Uh, I remember once uh, hearing a Marine talk about, you know, a drill sergeant. And he said, uh, said, you know, if you can give me a guy who shoots straight, like if you can, if you can shoot a rifle, I can turn him into a Marine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and, and I think about, you know, people who deep dive deep, who have a bias for action, uh, you know, who, who run towards the fire. If you give me all those things, yes. uh, I can turn him into a, you know, a good employee for the most Brilliant. part. Brilliant. Yeah. So is that kind of uh, that, that just desire to kind of w w want to make a difference and not be scared to. Um, it's interesting, actually, because IT Labs, who are sponsoring uh, this uh, uh, confession, CTO confession series, uh, the, the culture is very similar in there. They, they give you enough autonomy to kind of do what you need to do. And the expectation is, is you do you do what you need to do based on what you think is right, you know, kind of thing, you know, um, and also to kind of push the envelope. I love I love companies that push the envelope and Flex seems very much like that. Yeah, I mean, I think if you if you think about the most important thing of leadership, the you know, first thing is hiring great people, but yeah. then the second is giving them autonomy. And um, you know, I have a I had an experience. I guess you called this confession. So here's one of my confessions. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we had a, a system at Amazon which which you know had an algorithm to check and make sure the packages weighed the right amount. I'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, and it, you know, it wasn't working and, and it was coming up in our, you know, weekly business reviews and I was getting feedback. Let's say I was getting yelled at right. uh, because it didn't work. And, uh, I went to the, the engineering manager. He's like, oh yeah, I've got an 18 months roadmap and, and we're going to fix this. And I'm like, nope, we have to fix it this week. Right. And here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want the algorithm to be. And it turns out over that next three weeks, we made a ton of progress. We stopped getting yelled at. Everything was good. And then that guy quit. <gasps> or, or he went and found another job because he was, you know, he was like, well, if you're going to run the team, 
uh, you run the team. Like, there's no need for me to be here. It, wow. he, it turns out we're, we're now friends and, yes. uh, and he didn't actually say that to me. But what I observed was when I took his autonomy away by being too deeply involved, uh, it wasn't fun for him anymore. Yes. And he went and did something else. And so uh, top of my list is of, you know, if you have people, you, you know, if you know, you're either investing in them or you're moving them out. <laughs> if you're investing in them, the first way to invest in them is through autonomy. Um, and, and, you know, the, the discussions I have with my team are, aren't about, Oh, how's this going? How's this going? It's about, here's some feedback I've gotten from, from your interactions with others. And here's some things I want to do you to do better. And, you know, you know, if you want to be a director VP, insert the, you know, next promotion, here are some things, uh, here are some ways you can do things differently. Yes. Um, but it's not about, oh, let me ask you about what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Yes, you trust um, them be- to do that, yes. Yeah. And, you know, if, if I have to ask them about that on a day-to-day basis, it's probably not the right person. Yeah, I like that. And that's coming back to that kind of layer cake of leadership is that when you're at, at the level that you're at, you're interested in the people, the interactions, and how you can grow them and get them to do what what they need to do basically uh, and you not have to worry about it i love this idea of protecting autonomy um, i'm gonna i feel like i'm acknowledging you there david you know you also almost seem to have a very uh, heightened awareness around your your mistake around that autonomy and making sure that it doesn't happen again you know it sounds like it was a, a real learning point uh, in your career you know it was i probably didn't learn it till two years later and then yeah. i looked back yeah and i said oh yeah that, that was a mistake yeah, um, that's great, and and ho- and and I guess this kind of stuff happens all the time in organisations. So, so thank you for kind of thank you for your confession. I, I feel like I need to do some kind of confession ceremony now, um, <laughs> but um, but it's great because I mean this is one of the things uh, from a leader perspective myself as well. You know, I I've, I realised as you were describing that. Uh, times when I took a Tony me away and how that might have come across the other side from where I was sat, probably sat felt great, you know, um, but the impact is uh, uh, the repercussions of that carry on, you know, after, after the event. Um, I just want to come back to one of the things that you described earlier, I love this idea of having diversity of thought. I'm a big fan of diversity in organizations and that doesn't just mean um, of different races or different cultures. It's, it's also different ways of thinking. You know, um, and I think that's what you touched on there. Uh, do you find it easy to get diversity of thinking, or does everybody in your world kind of think the same way? Yeah, um, it, it's actually quite a concern. Um, you know, because since I hired everyone on my team, all my directs, um, I, you know, we had a sort of a founders effect in that um, everyone has the skills that uh, that I think are important. You know, and and um, it's and it's something to be thoughtful about as the as we raise our next round and as as we grow the team again is you know how do we get we don't need everybody from Amazon. I mean, in some ways, like if you get someone who's been at Amazon for five to ten years or you know in 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 these roles for five to ten years, uh, you know you're going to get dive deep, bias for action, invent and simplify, deliver results, all those things, and those are great. Yes, um, but. You know, as you, those will get you through the first year, the first two years. But as you start thinking strategically about what are we going to do next, you want to have, you know, lively discussions and arguments and um, you, you want to challenge each other. And if we're all thinking the same way, it doesn't work so well. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, the one, you know, 
we'll set we'll, we'll talk about diversity of thought. We can talk about diversity of uh, gender and race later or not. Um, but you know, we had we were trying to build a computer vision based system. Uh, and won't go any deeper than that. And you know, we were sort of spinning around. We had a bunch of software developers working on it, and you know, we we had bought some cameras and whatever. And we weren't making any progress. And then we hired a guy who was a double E electrical engineer, PhD. And he came in and within like three days, he's like, oh, you know, these are the cameras we need. This is how we need to set it up. Uh, and he, he had built a prototype. Wow. And it would have taken us years, you know, if we ever got to that. <laughs> of course, he couldn't, um, you know, he, he couldn't build the software. <laughs> yes. But, you know, we have lots of software developers. And so having this one guy who catalyzed the whole thing moving forward, you know, ended up being a billion dollar uh, savings project over time. Right. Uh, uh, because we, we brought this guy in. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, that's quite interesting. Is that the, uh, the solutions come from the most kind of random, uh, random places sometimes, you know, um, I remember uh, working on teams where we had people that, um, uh, hopefully these people won't recognize who they are, but we had these kind of dark clouds in the team that were always kind of pushing back. I don't know if you know the six hats, uh, six thinking hats, you know? Uh, no, I don't. There's, there's a book around this where you have different types of thinking. So you put a different colored hat on, you're like yellow is this kind of thinking, you know, everything's gray, everything's going to work out. And then you have the black cat, which is like, nothing, none of this is going to work. It's all rubbish. You got it wrong, you know? Uh, and uh, at first I found that really painful, but in actually that, that diversity of thinking actually did push back on some of our over-optimism, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's good to get that balance. Uh, so yeah, it's, um, so coming, coming back to the diversity then, you touched on it a second ago, the kind of different cultures and particularly around women in, in technology. Uh, what's your experience of that and how do you lead in that respect? Yeah, I mean, uh, th this is a big topic. You know, one of the things we need to take is kind of an article of faith. And once you do this, you'll see it every day that there is sexism, call it sexism, misogyny, whatever you want to call it, uh, every single day. Yeah. Um, and you see people being interrupted or you know, made, the, the woman has to take notes or, uh, you know, all of these things. And, and you think of them as uh, microaggressions for better, yeah. um, better point, uh, uh, lack of a better uh, comment or word. Um, and so, you know, what do you do? And, you know, what, what the tech industry has done for the last 20 years is sort of outsource this to HR. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I went, to, I went to Grace Hopper celebration for you know, six or eight years in a row. Uh, it, that, that's the celebration of women in technology. Um, and one of the times I saw, I met with all the chief diversity officers, we had a social event and, and, you know, one of the people there, you know, from Apple, or I don't remember where, I said, you know, the last 20 years has been tough. We haven't made much progress, but we're super optimistic about the next 20 years. <laughs> and I was like, why are you super optimistic? Nothing's changed. Yes. Um, and so what I took on was uh, that the thing I can do, which will manage my frustrations and be helpful for the world, is invest in individual people. And through my actions, like, if you can get a person, you know, from first line manager to director, you know, from first for, from manager to senior manager, six months faster. Yes. And man, senior manager to director, six months faster. You know, that's where you're losing women in technology, that mid-career stuff. Um, uh, and some part of it's due to that's about when they're 
aged, you know, uh, family having kids, having family, but also that's where people are like, Oh, she's great. Oh, but not a, you know, not strategic and all those things. And so you have to push through those biases, um, and, and just say like, well, why do you think she's not strategic? Um, tell me more about that or, Oh, well, 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 she's not technical enough. Well, tell me more about that. Like, well, I mean, I don't know if she is or not, but I haven't seen it. And so men get the benefit of the doubt. Yes. And women don't. And so uh, even asking a few probing questions, uh, make sure that, not make sure, increases the chance of, of getting over those activation barriers. Yes. And so I took it on myself to like, what can I do individually? Because I, I would always, working through the big bureaucracy yeah uh just get frustrated yes i love that it's um it's getting people to kind of become more uh raising awareness around what is happening right now rather than uh yeah getting them to think about it as opposed to telling them what they should or shouldn't do you know um uh and, and i love that because um you know is 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 better for all of us you know getting this diversity and getting um you know women into into technologies it, we all benefit you know different thinking different things to the party but also why not you know i don't i don't understand why not you know um some of the some of the best manager manageresses and uh technical people i've met have, have been you know uh uh, females and uh, I, I've never quite understood why other people think differently but as as you point out David people do you know and it's up to uh, some of us maybe to just to bring that awareness so that's great I, I'm really glad to hear that um, and um, so in terms of uh, coming back to the kind of leadership stuff um, you, you mentioned this really intriguing term um, uh, single threaded leaders oh yeah yeah um, that, that, you know, whether that's an Amazon term or not, it, it's a very functional term. So I like it. Yes. <laughs> Meaning, you know, for, for decades and maybe still today, you'll see job descriptions that said, you know, this person must be a great multitasker. Well, it turns out that multitasking is bad. Yeah. Unitasking is good. And so, uh, you know, what we, what, if we have something that's important, uh, important enough to assign someone to, we should make them single threaded on that. And I guess that comes from the, you know, the, the, the CPU is single threaded yeah. or multi-threaded. Yeah. Um, but if you have one person who's thinking about a problem every single day and waking up, thinking about it, going to bed, thinking about it, and if it fails, they're going to lose their job. Yes. Uh, as opposed to having, Oh, I've got these five different things and I'm going to think about this for an hour on Monday. And if, if that one fails, I have these other four things to f- fall back on. Yes. If you have someone who's spending all of their time, they will be very effective and they will accomplish that thing. Um, and so that's the idea of single-threaded leaders. Yes, I, lo- I love that. I, and, um, it, and we kind of touched on uh, on the previous conversation around uh, Amazon being successful and having so many different projects and so many different streams. Um, uh, it, it, would you say that that kind of approach of leadership has been integral in that success? Yeah, I mean... One of the questions is, or you know, one of the, the comments of it, about companies as they grow and they're trying to get into adjacent things or different things is, you know, it's going to be a distraction. You know, it's going to distract them from their core business. And what Amazon has done better than I think anybody is to say, you know, we, can, we don't get distracted as long as the person who's leading that project, and it can be a first-line manager or it can be a VP or it can be, you know, Andy Jassy leading AWS. Yeah. That person, Andy Jassy doesn't, doesn't uh, think too much about the retail business, right? Jeff Wilkie mm-hmm. 
is if Wilkie's running the retail business, Andy Jesse can go be single threaded on AWS and growing that business. Yes. And you know, someone else is leading the entertainment business and that person is single threaded on growing prime video. Um, and so, uh, if you want something to be successful, you need to put a single threaded leader on it. And the bigger it is, the bigger leader you need. Yes. Yes, yeah, I, I love that. Um, and uh, being uh, a really bad multitasker myself, and I think everybody really is, they're just somewhat willing to admit it. Um, I, I think that's really important, especially in leadership, because the, you know, the errors or mistakes made or lack of attention at that leadership level is going to have huge repercussions on, on everything, I imagine, you know. Um, so in terms of the, the how you you get leaders to become single threaded in an organization because there's always this temptation to kind of load people up with more than they can do you know there's this kind of madness around that um i guess people want to get their money's worth out of people um how do you as a leader kind of make sure people do have that opportunity to become single threaded leaders uh well that's that's a great question uh you know at amazon where you've got a ton of scale like you can put a you know a person or, you know, a whole team on something like this yeah. computer vision was an unfunded project that ended up being, I was getting yelled at. And so we had to go do something and I had a team of 300 people. And so I could take, you know, three people to start and go build a prototype. And then it turned into five people and then we showed it to the bosses and then we get further funding. But, um, it, you know, and the idea of single threaded leader and the, the vernacular and all those things are in place. And that's, by the way, one of the reasons they're super successful in um, Flex, you know, I've got 30, you know, 50 people on my team total, 36 engineers. And so it's very difficult to, yeah. um, to carve out resources. But, you know, as we do, as we enter new adjacent pieces of business, um, you know, going from fulfillment to transportation or to inventory planning, it, you know, it's important that inventory planning is a very small piece of our business right now. But if we want it to grow, we have to have resources dedicated to that and not in their spare time after hours on the weekend we yes. need to have uh to start with product managers but eventually developers and uh you know development leaders who are single threaded on that new line of business yes that's yes single focus 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 you know because otherwise it, it probably isn't going to be it's going to be half uh, i don't know if this is a bad word in kind of american language but half cocked we say yeah. in english you know it's not quite right you know yeah, we'd say half-assed. Half-assed, <laughs> yeah. Excellent, so that's good actually. I think um, um, you describing that to me, I have a tendency to kind of take on too much myself as a leader and it's nice to hear that back to me. It's kind of like a lesson in a podcast for, for the host, uh, you know, to kind of uh, single thread a little bit more often. Um, and, and there's also kind of a mention around um, intentions. Um, do you want to speak to that as well, Dave? Because I found this quite interesting. Yeah, this is a, a great Jeffism, which uh, is public. Uh, I think he's talked about it in the press and he talked about it all hands. But the idea is, you know, if you've got a problem and it's happening over and over again, you know, many people's first thought is like, let's, let's bring everybody in the room and let's tell them, you know, let's work harder. Like, you know, let's really focus on this. Make sure for this skew, you, um, you know, you, you make sure that it gets in the right packaging. And, um, and it doesn't work because yeah. what you're asking is for people to have good intentions. Um, but they already have good intentions. They're doing the best they can. 
And so in order to make it better, you have to have mechanisms. And what are mechanisms? They're sort of interlocks or technology pieces. And the, um, the classic case is, um, you know, how do we get everybody to fill up the coffee maker when they drink the last cup of coffee? And, uh, you know, someone asked it at all hands, Jeff, can you make everybody fill up the coffee maker? And he said, uh, you know, I can guarantee you with 100% certainty that if I send an email as the CEO and founder of the company saying everybody has to fill up the coffee pot, it will make no difference because people already have good intentions. Uh, and so if we are going to have the coffee pots full, we need to have a mechanism. And that could be like a light that goes off when the pot is empty or a siren yes. that goes off if you walk away. And it's a technology piece that, that forces you to be to remember or shames you or something. Yes. But you need to add some piece of process or technology um, to build a mechanism rather than just intentions. Love it. And yeah. uh, if you start applying that every day, you will hear over and over again, oh yeah, we, you know, we brought the team in and we retrained them. Um, and well, did you build a, a system to train the next person who joins? Yeah. Or you know, we told everybody that they have to be really focused on this. Yeah. Uh, and then you're like, that doesn't sound like a mechanism. No. And so, you know, that's, that's when I, you know, I heard, I was at the all hands, I heard this story and like it blew my mind. Yes. It's quite, it's quite, it's quite impactful. It's almost like, uh, what mechanism is there to trigger the good intention, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of brainstorming on lots of situations where I can bring that to life, you know, because I mean, the great thing about that is kind of from a leadership perspective, it's easier, uh, but more organic. It's, uh, it, it, it emerges as opposed to fed in and forced into the system, you know? Yeah. And if you think about, you know, we all sit on zoom all day, or at least I, you know, at my company, everybody sits on zoom all day and they get zoom fatigue. And, um, you know, one of the things we said was, Oh, you know, make sure and end, end meetings five minutes early so you can walk around a little bit. And nobody did that, but you're saying, you know, you need to plan buffers in your calendar. Yeah. Um, and, and that will force you not to, be sitting in front of the computer during that half hour or that hour. That's yeah. a mechanism that helps you manage your day to day. I love it. Yes, that's good. And yeah, interestingly, I do, I do something similar. I'm not probably as, as uh, strict as I could be, but that's, uh, that's in, uh, encouraged me to kind of follow that, that rule as well. I love this idea of setting intentions or triggering intentions, you know? And, and again, it, it comes back to what you said earlier on, um, you know, all people, uh, you know, uh, have good intent. Um, you know, people want to do the right thing and do the good thing. You just got to put the, put things in place for them to allow them to do that and to remind themselves to do that. And David, you, you, you've also mentioned uh, something around uh, indicators for success. Okay. So I think this is a really good one for tech leaders out there. And I love this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, back, this is early days. Um, you know, we were having problems delivering projects and there was one of the VPs that, you know, how, you know, why is tech always delivering late? And we hired a, a consultant who was a guy named Steve McConnell from Microsoft. And he, he had written a book called Code Complete. And uh, so his thing was uh, a leading indicator of success of your project is whether people are actually working on your project. <laughs> and uh, they're like, well, of course people are working. I've got five people assigned to it. And uh, so he had us fill out timesheets. And we did this for actually a couple of years at the end of you know, at the end of the week and, you know, everybody hated timesheets. It's like, oh, you know, just at the end of the week, put, a, you know, how many hours did you spend on this project? How many in meetings? How many doing this? How many on on-call? And, you know, we found amazing things. Like there was a TPM who thought he had five engineers working on his project. Turns out one was on-call, 
so they were taking tickets. Another one was on vacation, and and so on and so on. Yes. And so there was nobody actually working on the project. <laughs> it's it's so, not funny, but it's kind of funny, you know. Right. Um, and and so you know this is another case of where being single threaded is better, right? Yeah. If you have multi threads, you're going to have people working on other things, and not because they're bad people. You know, they're getting you know, oh, can you fix this bug for me? Or uh, oh, I've got a context shift over to this other thing uh, and get it done, and then I can go back to my main project. Yes. Um, but you know, making sure that like if you think engineers are checking in code, go check and make sure they're checking in code. Yeah. Um, uh, because there's lots of reasons for projects to fail, but like this is one that we should be able to catch yeah. early. And I think it's that it's that one that's so obvious that it's actually uh, kind of uh, missed. You know, um, I, I can think of many situations where that's been the case: is that people are busy, but are they busy on the thing that they should be working on? You know, and uh, and as a leader, we need to make sure that uh, they have the capacity to actually be doing what they're being planned to do. Um, and and this kind of brings me on to. Um, I'm an agilist, you know, I'm a real big believer in the agile ways of working. I mean, in your experience, have you found it to be a benefit to your organization or, um, uh, I mean, what's your kind of thoughts on agile? Yeah. Um, you know, at, at Amazon and at flux, you know, we don't prescribe how people do their work. And so each, you know, each first line manager has the, um, has the autonomy to decide what kind of, what, you know, do they want to do waterfall? Do they want to do agile? Do they want to do something else? Kanban, scrum, whatever. Yeah. And you know, what we found over the last 20 years is that people have kind of converged on agile Yeah. because, you know, waterfall didn't work. Um, you know, we know that, you you know, you have to put out some goals. Um, but you know, you are going to build the wrong thing if you try to plan six months ahead. So this idea of having two week, two week planning and delivery cycles, uh, is super effective. Yes, the Agile Scrum, yes. Yeah, that said, uh, I worked with some folks uh, who, from an acquisition and and by the way, they weren't single-threaded on my project, I found out later. <laughs> um, and, you know, we flew down to San Francisco to meet with them and, and uh, you know, we, we agreed on what the work that needed to be done was and they even had like cards, you know, Jira cards or, they were, you know, we didn't have Jira then, we had Post-it notes oh, right. of, you know, what they needed to build. Oh, oh, style. And yeah, so we finished the you know the four-hour meeting, and we were heading back to the plane, and um, and I'm like, when can you get this done? And they said, well, you know, many modern software developers don't believe that giving dates is you know appropriate uh, and helpful. Yeah. And I was like, you know, WTF? Like, I'm about to yeah. fly back to reality. Yes. And there's an angry VP back there who's about to <laughs> yell at me because this isn't done. Yeah. So I need you to give me a date, or at least an approximate date. Yeah. And uh, and so, you know, you can say agile, 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 we don't give dates, um, but it's not, um, but, but it's, you have to have some, yes. some dates, some, yes. some framework. That's right. Uh, there's a, there's a, there is a hard wall somewhere and, uh, and, and, the, and the, yeah, I think this is where sometimes agile is misused. It's the way, it's a way of hiding, uh, um, 
yeah, odd ways of thinking, you know. And um, yeah, so I, I, I guess you know, uh, it depends on it depends on the former agile is a set of values and principles, and then depending on the methodology or the framework you put on top of that, you know, it, it, it can uh, it can have uh, different different effects on the way in which you work. Um, but it's good to kind of hear that uh, the autonomy of your teams, your, the kind of subject of autonomy came back in here, uh, that teams migrated or kind of uh, converged on this, on this way of working, which is great. I think that's, that's good. And um, so uh, the other subject I've got here, I wanted to speak to you about David, because obviously you, you deal with a lot of data. You know, there's a lot of data going on in your kind of mm-hmm. industry. I bet you're swinging it sometimes, you know. <laughs> uh, um, so uh, a big topic out there is kind of AI and machine learning. Um, would, you, would you like to speak to that? And, uh, <laughs> honestly, yeah. yeah. This is one of my iconoclastic ideas, which is, you know, AI is going to change the world in many ways. Like, you know, Tesla cars use computer vision for AI and Amazon Go Store uses AI. And there's you know, huge practitioners, excellent practitioners who can deal with that stuff. But, you know, everybody wants to do AI now and you get a little, um, you know, the, the top level domains are dot AI. Yes. Uh, but, you know, most of the people, it's kind of bullshit. <laughs> most of the people don't know how to use AI. Yeah. Um, I posted this thing on LinkedIn a few months ago that said, you know, when you're talking to investors, it's AI. When you're talking to engineers, it's ML. And when you're actually doing it, it's a spreadsheet. <laughs> um, linear regression. Yeah. And, right. um, and you know, so, so we would have people, uh, come in and say, Oh, we're going to use AI for this. And I found a good mechanism was to say, okay, you know, what's your precision and recall. And then, you know, what are the, the inputs that, what are the inputs you're going to use and what are the outputs? And, you know, if people couldn't answer that, that was a good indication that they don't know what they're doing. You're right. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I ran Amazon's WMS and, and more for almost 10 years. And uh, I can't think of a time we used AI. Right. Yes. Um, and, you know, obviously they've gotten bigger since I left. And I know for the for um, like inventory placement becomes a really hard math problem. Um, and so, you know, at Amazon scale, you, you need AI for that kind of thing. Yes. But if you're shipping, you know, 10,000 units a day out of five, five fulfillment centers, you, you just need a spreadsheet for that. Yeah, that's right. It's, and again, it's a tool that's being misappropriated. It's almost like this is the, the sexy new thing to use. Let's use it regardless, you know, uh, bash a, a square peg through a round hole type thing, you know. Um, so in terms of actual use cases where you, it is actually working, um, uh, you've mentioned that on Amazon. Are you using it at all in Flex? We, no. <laughs> yeah, keep it simple. Yeah, like at our scale, I don't, I can't think of anything like we may, we maybe should be using data more. Yeah. But I don't think we need AI. Right. Like we need to look at our data and, and sort of chop it into chunks. And, and you know, the, uh, this guy who I was telling you who built our computer vision team, um, he used to say, you know, a good computer vision person, because the first thing they'll do is try to explain to you why computer vision won't work for your problem. <laughs> right. Honesty. That's uh, yeah. integrity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We like, I like candor. Yeah. And so, you know, cut through the BS and like, try to figure out like, what are you actually doing? You know, people can say AI, ML, AI, ML, and that's all great. And there's, by the way, you know, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, all are saying AI is going to change the world. Yeah. Like, like, uh, you know, those guys are a hundred times smarter than me. Um, So it will change the world, but that doesn't mean it's useful in every single case. That's right. Yeah. 
Excellent. Well, thank you for your uh, candid response on that one. I, <laughs> I remember in our uh, initial call around that, I, I, you know, I wanted you to kind of air your thoughts because uh, I think it's good for the conversation. So just, um, just to kind of finish off, kind of uh, running low on time here. In, so in terms of um, your kind of key takeaway that you'd like to offer the uh, leadership community out there, what would, what would be the takeaway that you'd like to offer them? Focus on people. If you are, you know, if you are a manager or a senior manager, or even, even, you know, senior engineers, um, like your, like my job is to hire great people first and foremost. Second is to coach and develop them. So they're more effective, which makes it easier for me to hire more great people. Yes. And then third is, uh, I need to manage performance. And, um, you know, it is like, it's easy to say, Oh, you're cold hearted but people who aren't doing well in their job are not happy. Yeah. And whether that's at Amazon or flex or otherwise um, it, and so finding places, you know, helping people find the right place for them that's equal to their skills is super important for the person, yeah. for the organization and for, for my team. Um, and most of the time, uh, you know, I had uh, a guy who we, we let go, probably 10 years ago. And this happened two or three times actually. And his friend was mad at me. He's like, Dave, I can't believe you fired that guy. And he's three weeks later, he's like, Oh, I saw him walking down the street and he's like an inch taller. Like, you know, he was beaten down by the environment yeah. and, you know, not being successful. And so like his health is better. He's not coughing. Like, uh, <laughs> right. And then he went and found another great job at whatever Microsoft or someplace else. Yes. And, um, and so getting your head, like the hardest thing for managers to do is to get their head around having to move people out of the organization. Yes. Uh, yeah. Once you get your head around it, you're a hundred times more effective because you know, it's, it's, it's part of a, most importantly, it's part of your job, Yeah. but it's also good for that person to find the job that they're good at. Beautiful. I think that's a great takeaway. Um, uh, you know, uh, again that kind of humanity in the workplace it's it's really important that's where you get the magic you know it's great um and just finally while we've got a few more minutes um um david is, is that i was really intrigued by this great cause that you're involved in um would you like to just kind of quickly kind of introduce that because i thought i think it's great when people volunteer their time to organizations like this yes yeah, so i'm involved i'm on the board of businesses ending slavery and trafficking and this is a group that does training for uh people at uh, hotels, at ports, airports, seaports, um, folks who, where, where people are trafficked to, to understand, uh, oh, that looks like a trafficking victim. What do I do? Like to recognize it first and then what action can I take? Yeah. And um, who do I phone? And it's not always the police because those folks have been victimized by the police as well. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of the first phase is like, you know, how do you get people out of, of this life? Um, but that's just the starting line, right? You know, they, they can escape and then they don't have a job. They don't have any money. They don't have a place to live. And so BEST is working with uh, Seattle companies as well as uh, companies ar around the country to find called safe jobs where, you know, these folks have uh, managers who are you know, part of the program and they've been trained, uh, you know, how to, uh, how to, you know, coach and work with these folks who are uh, victims of trauma. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the things I did the other day is I put out a call for laptops and, and tablets because you know what, you have to have a, uh, you have to be connected to the internet to apply for a job. Yeah. 
And so, um, you know, can we provide, you know, Android devices or iPads or tablets or Chromebooks or whatever for these folks, you know, either locally or can we just hand them to them? And I got uh, an outpouring of response. I think I got within a week, 10 people donated either old devices or they bought them on Amazon and had them shipped to me. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I'm a technologist and so every problem is a technology problem. And so that, that was my way of yeah. kind of contributing as an individual contributor, as well as, you know, helping lead this program. And, uh, you know, people say, what can I do? I'm like, cash is good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love that. I, I love how you've kind of taken your technology skills and, and applied them to an area which seems very separate. But I, I have to be honest, um, David, I absolutely respect people like yourself um, that do this, you know, absolute respect. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you for your time, David. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you again. It's been very enlightening. I've, t I've got lots of takeaways from this. And uh, again, appreciation for your time and good luck with yourselves and Flex uh, in your kind of uh, ongoing success. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Cool. Thank you. Well, listening to David about his journey from physicist to tech leader just shows you that tech leaders can come from all kinds of places. Oh, hell. I used to work at McDonald's once and and I became a tech leader. Maybe not a CTO, but a tech leader. And in David's case, I love his story of being embedded into Amazon's world and the tips and ideas that were bestowed upon him from his time there. From the tips he shared, it's pretty obvious why Amazon has been such a success. I think they weren't just disruptors in, um, in creating their e-commerce site and what have you, but also the way in which they lead and the kind of values and principles that they encourage in their culture. And then with his time at Flex and how they created their values and principles there to drive the culture they wanted. I particularly like the principle about jumping in. I think I would do good in that space because I tend to jump in headfirst sometimes. Anyway, the takeaways for me were the layer cake of leadership, product, process and people for advancing your career. That was a new one on me and I love that. It's something I'm going to probably take going forward. And also, the second takeaway for me was the reinforcement of the idea of diversity of thinking. I've personally found this really important in my career, and it's great to hear David speaking to this as well. And finally, uh, the, my third takeaway is protecting autonomy. The importance of letting people own their work and how they do it. I like that. Anyway, how about you? What were your takeaways from the CTO Confessions episode? If you want to get in touch with David, his contact details are on the page hosting this podcast. Remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to IT Labs webinar series. URLs to do that can be found at the bottom of this page. We're consistently creating material to create, support and nurture a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, what we do and how we do it, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders, favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day and evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.